that me? Just kidding. Uh, hope everybody's doing well. How's everybody doing? For real? Are y'all not happy? Listen, before, I'm not even going to ask y'all yet because I'm going to give y'all this real quick. Uh, sometimes I get people and they like straight up want to know, are you really excited? Like all joking aside, you're excited about being here every single week. And I, that's a very fair question. So I'm going to be straight with you. Sometimes I don't feel really good, right? Sometimes I don't feel awesome. Like during the week, I have difficult things that take place and it's not the best thing in the world. And I'm not always excited during the week, but I can't help. But when I spend time with Jesus and I realize the opportunity that I have to get to come to church, let me just to get to come to church and freely worship with you guys. Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. And I can freely raise my hands right here and worship and not worry if someone's going to come in and arrest me. And I get to freely hang out with my boys and talk about Jesus during the week. And I get all that freedom that I have. Yes, I'm, I am excited to be here. And so I never uh, manufacture that. And it's not a lie. I'm pumped. Because what I think about is those 33 people, if y'all have read the, the news in North Korea, that are going to be killed for being a Christian. Going to be killed for being a Christian. And then all over the world, billions of people don't know Jesus, or if they do, if they do, they have to hide the fact that they know him. So what an opportunity is for me to get to stand up with you and hang out with you and talk about Jesus. So yes, on a rainy, nasty day, I'm really excited to be here and talk about Jesus. So if you're wondering, I'm pumped, and that's why I want you to yell with me. Are you excited to be here with me that we get to worship Jesus this morning? Who else is excited? Awesome. awesome. Thank you. Okay, so let me jump right in to guardrails. If you weren't here last week or if today's your first time, and thank you for coming. Thank you for coming and worshiping with us. Obviously, we do things a little bit different, man, but we're pumped that you've decided to come. And last week, guardrails, we just jumped right into it. And y'all know what guardrails are, right? When you see a guardrail down the street, this is the definition. A guardrail is a system designed to keep people, excuse me, to keep vehicles, specifically we're talking about us, but to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limits areas, a system designed to keep your car from going where it should not go, and where on the other side of it is imminent danger, where, where it's really bad, right? So, so Friday night I was going to preach uh, this thing called Disciple Night Weekend. If you're a student or you've just got out, you know what that is, and it was a big one in uh, the Powdersville area, and so um, I was driving to it, and I was supposed to be there at a certain time, and I had to preach all weekend long, and so um, I was excited. Like, when I'm driving down the road, if y'all ever see me, don't like think less of me if I don't wave at you because if I'm talking and no one's in the car, I'm not crazy. I, I am crazy, but I'm not crazy at that time. I'm talking to God really, truly. That's what I'm doing, especially like when I'm going to preach somewhere. I'm trying to prepare my mind for preaching and all that stuff. And so I knew what I was going to talk about. and We had it all planned out and it was all good. And I got about like right before Pelham Road um, and there was a car that had just obliterated the wall. And so it was off on the side. Y'all know what I'm talking about, going 85 South, Pelham Road, not quite to it. And some of y'all were probably caught in that same wreck on uh, Friday night. And so I, I just looked at it, and now it had a lot of bumps, right? It, had a, it was pretty, pretty beat up. And I could see the guy, I don't know if he was crying, like man tears, you know? <laughs> like, is that dude crying? Y'all know what I'm talking about. But I, like, I don't know if he was really crying, but you could see he was distraught. 
I had so much emotion on his face. And two other cars had hit him, and they're behind him. And immediately what popped in my mind was, um, was guardrails. Because I, I got to spend some time in Beijing. And in Beijing, uh, China, there's six to eight lanes of traffic, depending on the interstate that you're on. And they're slammed, and then uh, about ten rows of cars beside that. I'm sorry, of bikes beside that. And so you got thousands of people at all times right around you. And there's no wall, right? So, like, when you're in a taxi cab and you're big, because all their cars are small, and you're going, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, please don't die, please don't die. Like, the whole goal that I had the whole time we were driving is please don't die. I wasn't worried about where we were going. I was scared to death. My knees were on the dash because it was one of those bug things. And I was just going, please don't die. And the reason is because I could touch the cars coming this direction with tons of lanes. And so I thought about that as I saw this car, and I thought, Holy cow. What if the wall hadn't been there? Right? He was upset because there was damage to the side of his car. I'm telling you, if the system was not in place to keep the vehicle from straying into oncoming traffic, think about what happens. It doesn't end well for a lot of people, does it? Now, he wasn't happy. right? And sometimes when we hit the guardrail, it caused a little bit of damage and we're like, Man, I wish that guardrail hadn't been there because I wish I hadn't hit the wall. Thank God for the guardrail, right? I was thinking as I was driving by, thank God for that guardrail. Thank God for that wall that is there to protect you from them and those big trucks and whatever else would have hit you and whatever, whatever, whatever else would have hurt them at the same time. Thank God for those guardrails. And I couldn't help but think about us. Now watch this. I couldn't help but think about us and where you are right now because all of us must set a personal guardrail which is a standard of behavior that becomes a matter of the conscious and if they are not part of what we are then as a follower of Jesus and many of you will say that that's what you are as a follower of Jesus we are walking aimlessly believing that we are not in danger and listen I'm coming to you with urgency in my voice so listen carefully all of you with no exceptions this is urgency I don't care what your last name is how old or young you are or what you think about yourself, all of us are in danger. And until we realize what God wants for us to do and embrace the plan he has for us and realize that all of you were created amazingly special. Like, you're, do you realize that you're God's selfie? How cool is that? Genesis 1, you were made in the image of God, that he made you specially and loves you. And he wants to use us all. But, but if you're like me, during a difficult week, where a lot of distractions come in your life, you go, oh my gosh, screw this, right? Forget this. I'm going to do my thing. And we stray off the path. I don't know if we pull up the guardrails or if they were ever there in the first place. And danger is all around us. Last week we started a, um, a testimony of my man Pappy. My man Pappy. Some of y'all know him. He's on the camera today. I love him. He is, Gerald Davis is one of the best men um, that I know because he's just tender and meek and he's one of those dudes that you love to be around. Last week his testimony, he told us that basically for 30 years he strayed from God and that he had tried to take his life on multiple occasions and that he got about as far away as you could get from God. And one day a man came up to him and gave him a Bible and I want you to see the end of the story of what happened, so watch. Uh, I hadn't eaten in a few days and I was hungry and I was dirty and, you know, just really didn't know what I was going to do. But 
when God intervenes in your life like that, you got to understand that He can give you a perfect peace. And that's what He did right then. He filled me. I wasn't hungry. He filled my stomach. He filled my spirit. And uh, I was able that afternoon to, uh, or the next day, to get into uh, Miracle Hill Missions. And I got a bed and got cleaned up and got fed. I went from there to a program that lasted about seven months, and and during those seven months, uh, I learned how to let God change my life. I really do want to say this: the man that stopped me on, and talked with me on the street, you know, I know he was God sent, because uh, I was about as low as I could be. I thank that man today. I have no idea what his name is or who he is. But for him to take a few minutes of his life and see somebody hurting and handle the Bible, uh, what an awesome thing. That's yeah. <clears throat> why I thank you. <laughs> but getting back to my story, uh, I went through the program and finished it. And then I was like, God, what you going to have me do, you know? not working, you know, just thinking, I don't really know what to do at this point, you know, but I had a ministry in, in Piedmont contact me, and I started working there, and I, I worked just to have a place to stay, and uh, from that ministry, I was able to come over to uh, Spartanburg to another ministry that Miracle Hill owns, and and minister to young boys, you know, 17 to 21. And these young men, uh, I thought, well, you know, I'll share my testimony with them and, and all the good that I'm going to do for them, right? <laughs> and as I as I live with these guys and and grow with these guys, I found out God was using these boys to continue to grow me in the Lord and showed me how to to give, to give back. And giving back to these young men, the reward in that is just, it's, I, I can't tell you how much it is. That man that stopped on the streets, uh, God used him to change my life. He spoke directly through that man. And uh, what I'd like to say is, we all can do that. We pass people each and every day that, that are hurting. Uh, take the time to, to ask someone, can I do anything for you? Uh, let me tell you about Jesus. <laughs> let me tell you what He's done in my life. Uh, today I do that. These guys come in the house and, and that's one of the first questions I, I asked them. And, and a lot, of, a lot of people are scared to ask that question, and you shouldn't be. It's what an important question it is to ask somebody. Uh, it's life-changing. So uh, we're going to put that whole testimony on uh, social media this week, and I hope you'll re-watch it all together. I thought it was so perfect for last week and this week in the parks, and this is why. Uh, I hope you know our vision. I hope you know our vision, but it is, if you don't, to reach the least 
the lost, the lonely with the gospel of Jesus and see life change happen as a result, specifically to reach the least lost and the lonely is what we put on a lot of stuff if we're trying to just keep it simple and make sure people understand. And so people often ask, why is that your vision? And the reason that that is our vision is because it's a mandate, a mandate that comes from Jesus. It's, it's what every church is supposed to be. And we thought if that's what every church is supposed to be based on what Jesus said, then why don't we make that the, the vision of our church? And so I want y'all to, to get this. I'm not going to talk about it much more, but I want y'all to get this. Everything that we do in our church, everything that we do in our church, every decision we make when the staff meets together, we sit down, we get a whiteboard out, and we say, does this fit our guardrails? Like so, so everything that we do has to fit inside these things. And the guardrail on the right or the left, whichever one you want to picture, one of the main guardrails that we picture is the least, the lost, and the lonely. Is what we're about to do, is what we're about to spend money on, is the energy that we're about to put in, does it reach the least, the lost, and the lonely, or is it self-edifying? Are we just doing stuff for us? Because, because I'm convinced, beyond a shadow of any doubt whatsoever, that is what we're here for. That is what we are here for. I don't mean Mark and this building. I mean you as an individual are here for that. And the reason that I believe that is because Jesus gave us a mandate. And so I want to give you two things this morning, two things this morning, to show you why we feel so strongly about that and why that's our vision. But listen, it's not Four Points Church vision alone, why it should be the vision for all of our lives, because it is a mandate for your life. There's a mandate for our lives to reach the least of the lost and the lonely. Number one, number one, as a Christ follower, if you're not that in here, just hang with me, take it on the notes. If you've got your notes out, I want you to take it down. But as a Christ follower, I am, you are, we are commanded to serve others. I'm commanded to serve others. Like, this isn't a good idea. This isn't something that would be cool. I'm commanded to serve others. And the problem with that is we look at that and we go, sweet dude, but isn't that what Pappy's supposed to do because that's his job, right? Like, he gets paid to do that, so that's what he should do. But I'm not sure that that's what I want to do. Listen, I just want you to go straight to the Bible. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. And we're going to read the words of Jesus this morning and look directly at what he said. Why, why we should do this. Can I just tell you as, as this is coming up? I believe, did any of y'all used to listen to DC Talk back in the day? DC Talk, like if you were a, a 90s teenager, you were down with the DC Talk, d -d down with the DC Talk. Someone say amen if y'all know what I'm talking about. So, so on the Jesus Freak CD, what if I stumble the single greatest cause of atheism in the world today are, y'all remember? Anybody? Christians. Y'all believe that? Christians. Who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, even raise their hands during worship, but we walk out of the door and we deny Jesus by our lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. I've never forgotten that line in that song. Because I believe it because of scripture right here and what it says. So I want you, as we're reading this, I want you to just identify yourself and say, if I was only identified by what I do and not by what I say or even what I put on social media, because we can be awesome. Jesus rocks. And then we can leave and Jesus, we just deny him, right? So watch this. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, 
You who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink, or... When did we see a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them whatever, truly, excuse me, I say to you, as you did it to, the, uh, to one of the least of my brothers, you did it for me. Some of your virgins say, whatever you did for the least of me, you've done for me. Whatever you've done... For the least of these you've done for me. And so just in those verses right there, self-explanatory, why we chose the least, the lost, and the lonely, right? Whatever you've done for the least of these, you've done for me. Whatever you've done for the least of these, you've done for me. And so I skipped this verse just a second ago, but I did it on purpose, so I'm sorry, Zach. But James 4.17, I want you to think about the verses I just read and then think about this verse. Whatever you've done for the least of these, in your life, ever. By the way, again, this is for the Christ follower. For the person that you say, everything about me, I am identified with Jesus. Watch this. Whoever, whoever knows the right thing, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. Now watch. This is where the guardrails come in. Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, it's sin. This is where I know it. I have to put a guardrail up in my life that is to reach lonely, lost, and least people, right? And so if I don't do that and I just walk by them all the time, I fail to do the mandate that is being a Christian. It is not a mandate of a pastor alone. Of course it's a mandate for me, but it's not a mandate for being a pastor alone. Because listen, listen, my calling on my life It's not about where I stand on Sunday mornings, but what he has done inside of me. And if it doesn't well something up inside of you, then maybe you're not one of us. Maybe you don't have the living Holy Spirit inside of you because it's this serious. This is why I come with urgency. Because people do look at us and they say, no, I don't want what she has. I don't want what he has. Because if that's all he's got is gossip and hate. Why would I want that? We see thousands of people every day that are hurting. We are mission projects every day that can go out and do the work. You are a missionary from the Lord. And every day I look and say, I wish I could go to Nicaragua with them because I want to do mission work. No, you have it right in front of you. Lonely people are everywhere. Listen, make sure you hear this. Lonely people are not always poor people. And poor people are not always lonely. We can't judge books by the cover. We have to look at the person. Some of you know the people in your lives that are hurting right now. I'm talking about aching in their lives, hurting. And we judge them. It's like, what's wrong with them? Look at all that they have. Listen, millionaires are lonely. Stop looking and saying... They don't have much. So bless their heart. If you know they're hurting, and this is who the least in the hurting are. And of course, of course specifically, if people don't have clothing, 
and food and water. This is it. This is it, right? This is what we're supposed to do. And I know a lot of times when people walk in church, they think, man, that pastor, he just talks about money. He just wants money. So here you go. This is why I'm going to explain to you that that's not what it's about. You ready? If ever, if ever, the church decides, and that's us, okay? So give me grace. If ever the church decides, I believe what that is, and that should be my personal guardrail. So then we begin to give back and realize that 100% of what I get is from God anyway, and I get an opportunity to give 10% back or whatever God's put on your heart above that. At that point, we will be like Paul had to say to the Macedonian church, dude, (laughs) you've given enough. Maybe you should think about giving somewhere else. But it is our mandate, our mandate. Listen, this is not an option for our church. We did not give $30,000 to that church in Nicaragua to build it because we wanted a medal. No one's given us any medals. It's our mandate to build churches and clothe people and feed people like some of y'all did when you were there on your own dime. It's our mandate to do that at home first. It's our mandate to do that at home first. The church cannot function like the church is supposed to function. I'm not saying every church functions right. I'm not saying we'll always make right decisions. A man with good men and women around us is in, is, is in charge of this building. But Jesus, Jesus is in charge of our church. If I died standing right here in front of you, this church continues because it's God's church, not my church. And so we're going to make human errors and mistakes. But the goal of this church is to spend our money 100% on missions to reach the lonely and lost people. The more that you give, the more opportunities we have to go and do. So don't, don't ever think, I'm giving this money, where's it going to go? I'm promising you that every time we have a surplus, we are going to give it away. We are going to look for places to give it away. We're going to be wise. We're going to be good stewards with God's money. We're going to make sure that we have money in the bank and not, we're not stupid. But every time we get a chance, we want to give money away. Why? Because that's what we're called to do, right? Like, this isn't a good idea. Everybody listen. This isn't a good idea. This is a mandate. This is a mandate. And so this is my decision right now. Everybody in here, you'll make this decision immediately. Will it be my commissioning efforts where I go, like the Great Commission, I go and start doing? Or will I omit it and say I don't need to? You will choose commission. You will choose commission or omission. Excuse me, omission or commission. You'll choose one or the other. You'll either say, dude, that sounds awesome. But that's a little weird and I don't want to touch hurting and lonely people. That's what y'all get paid to do. Or you'll say, you know what? I am an ambassador. I am a child of Jesus. And that is what I'm going to do because that's what I was called to do. The day that the Holy Spirit drew you and you felt that that was the calling that was on your life. So let's watch as Matthew 25 continues. It says, then he will say to those on his left, on the other side, depart from me, you cursed into eternal fire prepared. For the devil and his angels, for I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. I was naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will answer, saying, is this you? 
Is this me? Is this why people in the world don't want, want what we have? Because we talk a really good game. But when it comes down to it, we look at the Lord and say, dude, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? If we'd have seen you, Jesus, what do you think we'd have done, dude? We'd have helped you out. Of course we'd have done it. And then he answered. Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not, did not do it to the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. These will go away to eternal punishment. I want everybody to, to really carefully pay attention to the next couple minutes, okay? I'm not being judgmental. I believe I'm using Scripture correctly and offering it to you right now. Billy Graham, who most of us know, if not every single person in here, if you polled the audience out there in the world and asked them who is our president, 80% at least would be able to know, and at least that many would know who Billy Graham is in Spartanburg and Greenville counties. He is as famous in the South as a president, isn't he? And he said, and I said this this weekend on multiple occasions, and I come with urgency for this very reason. People want, often wonder, why are you always giving the gospel? Why are you always giving the gospel? Why are you always giving the gospel? The reason I'm always giving the gospel is I come with urgency because I believe the greatest mission field in this country right now is the church. Because if the church was really saved, we would be commissioned out to doing what God called us to do rather than omitting what and doing all that we want to do. If you are a self-serving Christian, maybe you're not a Christian at all based totally on Scripture and not my opinion. Based totally on Scripture and not my opinion. Say so that's offensive. Well, yes, it is offensive because that's what Scripture is. It is offensive. What I am telling you is based on what you are and not what you tell me you are, do you look like a follower of Jesus Christ? Do people, better, better than that, remember a couple weeks ago on the women's message when I said, if we have trusted Christ as Savior and you are a child of God, then you begin to show his glory and not your glory. And all of a sudden people see Jesus when they see you and it goes from glory to glory to glory. And I want him more and I want to look like him more. Is that what my life looks like when people see me or do they see disgust and anger and vengeance? Because I can't believe they wronged me. Only you know if you've really trusted Christ. Meaning you've repented of your sins and you've turned and you have followed him. You've believed in your heart with every ounce of your soul and you followed him. That's all it means to follow Christ. Repent and turn and believe and follow. That's what it is. But if it's really happened, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Then we will do the mandate that is called on our lives then it will become the guardrail that exists in our lives and it will not just be for the church, it will be for all of us. It will be for all of us. You say, Mark, I've heard everything you've said today. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do that. I understand. I don't know how to do it all either. <laughs> I don't know how we're going to come up with the money. I don't know. We've got these dreams in our head of the things that we think we want to do, like crazy stuff. And when I talk out loud and the staff talks and we start dreaming, we say, that seems impossible to have a dream center 
where homeless people have a place to, to live and single moms and widows have houses. And this is all dream. That's what I really believe the church is supposed to do. How's this going to happen? You know, with man, it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. So what does that look like with God? All things are possible. It means that when you listen carefully, listen to what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do when he's drawing you. Remember, <clears throat> some of y'all are feeling it right now. The Holy Spirit is telling you, you are not doing enough. You're not doing anything. You have sat in your seat as a fan of Jesus, rooting Jesus on, and he is telling you it is time to step up and allow the Holy Spirit to have control of your life. And then one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. This is what gives me hope every morning. This is what gives me hope that I can do more. It is not because of the way that I look or the way that I sound or the way that I stand or anything about me. It is not about being big or you being small. It is not about being white or black or any other nationality. It is not about being man or woman. It is simply this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Here's why I don't think we make a difference in our lives because we use our power. And I have a limited budget of power. I can go on my own time and do my own things only so often and eventually I will get tired and I will get weak. And that leads to me looking past my guardrails in my personal life. And I pick them up and I move them to become all that I want to be rather than all that he wants me to be. If I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit by letting him renew my, my mind like Romans 12 says, then I'm filled with me and I'm disgusting and vile. I'm a sinner. I'm fallen from Jesus. This week alone I have done this multiple times. Why? Because I want to self-serve me rather than be all that he has called me to be. And until I choose mandate and say, I will follow you, and I, and I go and, and I commission myself to be all that God wants me to be. I will omit myself from the ministry that he's called me to be, which is much greater than pastoring, and doing what he's called me to do. What if a group of people said, you know what, Pastor Mark, I want to be everything that God's called me to be. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to charge toward the fight to love and serve and help others. I want to do what he's called me to do rather than, rather than just do what I'm wanting to do in my life. What would happen if we did that? Thousands of people will come to Christ. Thousands of people will stop being hungry. Thousands of people will stop being thirsty. People say, why are you doing these things? Because whatever I do for them, I'm doing for Jesus. I'm doing for Jesus. And I'm telling you, the problem in the American church is not having knowledge because some of you guys are smarter in the Bible than I am. The problem in the American church is we just dug our heels in and said, you know what, I've got all the answers. We've never surrendered everything to Christ. Some of you have, but you're so turned from it that you can't even recognize where your guardrails are because the Holy Spirit has not drawn you in a long time. I'm asking you today, I'm asking you today to be completely and totally honest. Don't do this for anybody else. I come with urgency today asking you to be completely and totally honest and answer this question. Just based on judging your life, 
and looking at who you are in your life. Are you a Christ follower? Have you repented of your sins and turned and lived in freedom? That is what's so amazing about being a follower of Jesus is it's not a list of a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's, it's the things that he's protecting us from, the pitfalls and the dangers on the outside and, and put up guardrails and lived in freedom and then been commissioned to do what he wants us to do. Or are you living for yourself? And you never feel him pulling you saying, Mark, dude, come back. I want to know if you know for sure that you've trusted him as Savior and that your life is evidence by being the fragrant aroma of Jesus, by being everything in him. Will you bow your heads with me? With every head bowed and eye closed. Just briefly, I want to ask you this question. Based on what I've said today, the last thing I want to do, so make sure you hear this clearly with your heads bowed and eyes closed, the last thing I want to do is scare you into something. I don't want to make you doubt your salvation. So if any of you have in your heart given him everything, I want you to know you are saved. There's no reason to doubt. But if you're not sure, and then based on your lifestyle, there's no fruit in your life love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You don't show these things in your life. Your life is full of sin. You don't ask God to forgive you. And so you doggone sure aren't showing Jesus in your life. And I come to you with urgency saying that if we don't do this, we will not change the world. And your life is the most important thing right now. I'm asking all of you to be honest. How many of you know that you know that Jesus is the Lord of your life. Raise your hand. Raise your hand high. If you know that you know, please please be honest. Don't raise your hand if you don't. I know for sure that Jesus is the Lord of my life. Keep him up for me. Keep him up. Keep him up. Keep him up. Thank you. Will you put your hands down? Hey, if you didn't raise your hand, I'm just wanting you to look at me. I'm not going to, it's not my intent to embarrass you. I just want you to look up and make eye contact with me right now. Here's the offer that we have for you right now, okay? Here's the offer that we have for you right now. We want to give you a free gift. But it's not something we can give you. It's something that Jesus can do in you. Look right here if you, if you didn't raise your hand. I'm asking you to stand to your feet right now with everybody bowing their head. We have volunteers in the back that want to help you walk through this and understand what it means to be a Christian. So if that's you, there's a few people in the room who will be bold enough to say, Mark, I don't care what people think about me. I'm tired of worrying about everything else. I want freedom. I want freedom in Jesus Christ. I'm just asking you right now, will you stand to your feet? Will you stand to your feet? Will you stand to your feet? A couple more seconds. Will you stand to your feet if that's you? Will you stand to your feet if that's you? Hey, I'm asking everybody in here to look at me now. Um, this is kind of the closing for everybody, and we're going to sing together. Um, it will be evident if the Lord did anything in your life not by if you stand up right now but by the way you live right by the way you live tomorrow not by the way you live the rest of today even I'm just asking you to walk beside me and feel the mandate that is being a follower of Jesus that's loving serving others that's reaching the least the lost and the lonely every day you have an opportunity 
Ask God when you wake up in the morning or when you're on your way home tonight, you see someone changing their tire in this pouring rain. What can I do to help to lift them out of their muck and their mire and get them where they're supposed to go? There are people in here that you know what you need to do. And I'm telling you, to know what you should do and not do it is called sin. James 4, 17. I'm asking all of you to be ambassadors this week and go look for opportunities. All it takes is 10 seconds or open eyes. They're around you every day. Will you stand with me? God, we're coming to worship. And we lift our hands and open our hearts. And we sing to you. And we're so blessed to be able to do so. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Y'all